When, God? When are you going to show up? When is the world going to go back to normal? When are you going to make the world right? When is this going to be over? When? When will it be wise to meet with people again? When will the virus stop? Have you found yourself wondering these and many other questions in these days? Have you found yourself wondering where God is in the darkest times? I know I have. I know when life is at its toughest, we're not really sure what to do. And so we wonder when God will show up, if God will show up, how God will show up. And it's not just us in these days. In fact, what we find is this is not a new thing for the people of God. If we go back to the time when the Israelites find themselves in captivity in Egypt, for 400 years they cried out, and it took 400 years for God to hear their cries in a way in which he would act. We don't know why it took 400 years, but it did. And they finally found liberation and freedom. And you fast forward a few hundred years later, and we find they're enslaved again, this time to Rome. And again, they're crying out for God to do a radically new thing in the world around them. They're begging, pleading, and they have an expectation that God will work. And he does. But just like so often in our lives, he works in a way that we did not expect. He works in a way that we did not think he would work. He works in a way that makes sense to him and leaves us scratching our heads. Their expectation would God would send a new king, a new Messiah, a savior, if you will. And this new king, this Messiah, this savior would overthrow the Romans. It would be like every other empire that ever existed, whether it had been the Assyrians the Persians, or the Egyptians. But in fact, God doesn't function the way we often think he will. He functions in radically different ways. And so he does send a king, a new king, a savior, a Messiah, one who will set them free. But it's a different kind of freedom than we often think of. It can't be won by military might. In fact, what we find, it's subversive, it's it's subtle, it's quiet. It's in that moment that Jesus comes. And so we find that in this waiting, we find ourselves asking all kinds of other questions. We're waiting for COVID to run its course. We're waiting for the ability to not have to wear masks and for less restrictions and to smile at people and see their smiles. We're waiting for the day in which we don't hear about another person dying from COVID. We're waiting for the day in which people can gather with family and friends. We're waiting for some sense of normal. We wait. This... This is what Advent is, waiting. It's the waiting for the expectation of the arrival of something more, of something to come. Advent for us is waiting for Jesus to come. It's not unlike what we find before. We anticipate the love, the joy, the hope, the peace that we know Jesus can bring. But on this day, it's the hope that we long to talk about. It's the hope that we look at. It's the thing that marks us differently in these days. And so we ask the question, how do we find hope in our darkest days? How do we see God at work? Because if we're not careful, we miss it. Much like the birth of Jesus, we expected a great palace. (laughs) He comes in a manger. We expected him to come like Caesar. And he comes like a servant. What we don't know what to do, we find ourselves often missing that God comes in ways we least expect. Like a baby? Really? That's how you're going to do this? 
And yet we see it's what he does. And so what we find is throughout the history of the church, it has really been no different. We've been always trying to figure out what God is up to. In fact, to go back to not long after the resurrection of Jesus, the church is kind of struggling a bit. They assume that Jesus would return again quickly. (laughs) And we know 2,000 years later, not only what they knew, but we know all about waiting, wondering, when, When will you make the world right, God? When will you take all that is broken and restore and make new? When will you fix the mess that we find ourselves in? The early church was no different. They found themselves longing for this. And so Paul writes to this early church. We see this in his letter to the church in Corinth. And he writes to them, and they they found themselves kind of drawn wayward to the world in which they live, rather than being so shaped by the message of Jesus and his sacrificial, suffering kind of love. Instead, they find themselves embracing the idea that Jesus died for them and he offers his grace, but, but we can kind of live how we want, and so they're more shaped by the world in which they live than shaped by the message of Jesus that he invites them to. And so Paul writes this letter to them saying, hey, listen, don't be discouraged. There will be a day in which Jesus comes again. And so here's what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says this, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul begins with this idea that so often we miss. He wants them to know the grace and peace of God. He wants that to be what defines their life. In fact, what he finds again and again is he's longing for them to know that God has given them enough in the person of Jesus, in the work of his spirit, that they can find themselves waiting. I mean, he says this, that they they can find themselves eagerly waiting. As you wait, longing for God to do his redemptive work in the world. And it's not just this passive kind of waiting. It's not that you just sit idly home and twiddle your thumbs. It's not that kind of waiting, but it's the kind of waiting where you trust and you find hope. And yet, in the middle of that, It's this idea that God provides enough. He says to them, listen, not only do you have like ways to speak about this, but you have knowledge. I've I've helped with this. Paul is wanting them to know, like, I taught you, and not only did I teach you, but in fact, what we find is that God has given you enough through his presence that I am with you. And he's saying, listen, to the church, you can be God's unique people in this day, even when God doesn't function the way you want him to even when he doesn't show up the way you think he should, even when the call of the kingdom of God is so radically subversive to the world around us. So is this not what the Holy Spirit has offered? Is this not what God desires to do among us? And so I I love that this little definition I found of grace this week, and so I thought it was helpful for you. And so here's a definition of grace that Paul was trying to give to the church in Corinth. and say it this way, grace, a little word that contains a whole universe of meaning. Summing up the fact that God loved and acted decisively on their behalf, even though they had done nothing whatever to deserve it. 
but rather the opposite. So what do we do with this? How do we live as a people who accept God's grace and his peace and live in the middle of life that is chaos and not going the direction we want and we find ourselves wrestling in these days? When will it end? And so what, as people of God, what do we do? What if, what if the grace and peace that Paul extends here is extended to you and I as well, not just to the church in Corinth? What if, what if we're called to be a people who embrace this and recognize that God comes to us as us, for us. And then what might happen to the unique people of God in the middle of a pandemic, we might begin to ask this question. Not only, God, when are you going to show up, but we might ask this question. Are we looking more like Jesus? Are we looking more like Jesus? Not how can I have my right or my opinion heard, not how can I do what I want, but am I looking like Jesus? Am I loving in the sacrificial, selfless way that he lived, or do I find myself caught up in a different kind of story? Because what Paul wants us to know is we have been caught up in a great movement of God, of God's love and power seen in the person of Jesus, but it's so different than subversive powers of the world. They authorize power over, but Jesus chooses power under. I know it doesn't make sense to us. It didn't make sense to the first century church either, but they found when they lived into that, that the kingdom of God was present in ways that were so unique and so powerful that the world was radically changed, that even Rome was turned upside down. So what about Advent? It's time of waiting, expectation, concern. Wait. And so maybe I should also say this for you today. If you find yourself struggling, you can cry out to God. God can take your worst. He can take your anger, your disappointment, your hurt, and you can throw it on him. And if you think, well, I don't know that I can do that to God, go read the Psalms. Read the book of Jeremiah. Read some of the prophets and see where they cried out to God and longed for God to do a new thing. He could take their worst. And yet if we go look at the life of Paul, what we begin to find is what Paul found that they never knew quite to that extent was that there's something about the presence of God's Spirit that we can find ourselves waiting with hope. In just a couple moments, Leah's going to come and she's going to sing another song for us about this idea that we would rest in the love of God, that we would find that God says light has broken into the darkness and the world will never be the same again. And so maybe I should say it this way. Trust that light overcomes darkness. It's the subversive way of the kingdom of God, that God's kingdom chooses power under rather than power over. We choose hope. We choose hope. Hope for us is the reality of what God desires for us to see in these days, that in the middle of a world that seems so dark and so broken, that light becomes the thing that breaks in. Light becomes the thing that is more than enough. And so we too, in these days, choose the subversive ways of the kingdom of God. We choose power under rather than power over. We choose to wait. Father, we help us this day as we continue to rest in the idea that you are near to us in this day in which we see light breaking in this first Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of hope. May you be real among us and in us and through us. And as Leah sings, may we be reminded about how 
when light begins to break into the darkness, light wins every single time. Because when light breaks into a space, darkness must flee. And so even though Jesus comes in in such a subversive, underhanded way, a baby born in a manger, born to a virgin, in the middle of a chaotic world, this reminder for us that God is at work in places we see and especially in the places we don't see. And so, Father, help us to rest in you this day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.